Friends, good morning and welcome to St Matthew's. It's great to see you all here and uh, to know that there are folks who are watching online as well. It is a wondrous thing that God has created us in a way that we can know him personally and that he's spoken and he's caused his word to be written in the Bible. So our first hymn this morning is a celebration of the wonder that God has spoken to us. Let's stand and sing. God has spoken by his prophets. again uh, to all of you who are here this morning and to those of you who are joining us online. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Andrew Graham. I'm one of the ministers here at St Matthew's. We love having guests and we're glad that you've joined us today. Uh, today's service is a service of the word and prayer. There are going to be lots of opportunities for us to be praying together and uh, partway through our service, David will be leading for, uh, reading for us uh, from Romans chapter 4 and our, our senior minister Bruce uh, will speak to us helping us understand what it is about faith that enable, uh, enables us to, uh, us to be in right relationship with God. Uh, last week as we listened to God's word the word faith came up eight times but the question really is what kind of faith is the sort of faith that means 
I can be right with God. What is saving faith? What does it look like? So that's something to really look forward to uh, later in the service. I'm also looking forward to hearing from Jack and Lil Haradine uh, here from uh, the church. What do we call your church? The Church of the Living Water. Is that right? Of the Living Desert, that's right, uh, in uh, Broken Hill. So it's wonderful to have our mission partners with us. Scott will be uh, interviewing them and leading us in prayer for them. But it's great to have you guys with us today. Uh, we're, we're going to enter now a time of prayer. Uh, initially, we'll be praying for the rest of our time together. And we'll be confessing our sins. Uh, and then we'll be reading from the wonderful Psalm 103 uh, before Scott brings Jack and Lil forward. So please join me as this prayer of preparation comes up on the screen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. And together in confession of our sin. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we've gone our own way, not loving you as we ought, nor loving our neighbour as ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word and deed, and in what we have failed to do. We deserve your condemnation. Father, forgive us, help us to love you and our neighbour, and to live for your honour and glory. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. As we say Psalm 103 together, we go to reach a point where we say, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So it's wonderful as we confess our sins, knowing we have a merciful God. And we know this especially through the sacrifice of his son at Calvary. So shall we say, why don't we stand for this? Such a wonderful psalm. We're not going to read all of it, just some exper ex excerpts, but please join me in reading Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, all his work, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. Please be seated. <clears throat> well, good morning, everyone. 
and uh, good day to you guys at home there as well. Well, as Andrew said, we, uh, we've got some special guests with us this morning, uh, Jack and Lil Harradine from Broken Hill. So would you, could you please give them a, a nice, uh, warm eight o'clock welcome. Righto. <laughs> welcome, guys. Nice to have you here. They've driven 13 hours over the past day and a bit to be with us. So I think that deserves another round of applause, to be honest with you. <laughs> well done. Why don't you guys come in and I'll use the, uh, the funny thing. Yeah, you guys stay right here and I'll be right here. Perfect. Uh, okay, now Andrew, Andrew did um, call your church the Church of the Living Water. Yeah. And now it is officially called the Church of the Living Desert, but is it, with, have you had rain there? Is, there? is it green and all that? We have had rain. You've had rain? Here and it's colder here than, than compared to the hill. Yeah, it's um, chill, uh, chill when it goes straight through your clothes. Right. We don't get it like that. Yeah, we lived in Canberra for over 10 years, so, but we've forgotten what it's like because after, after we left Canberra, we've always been out and out there, and it's always hot out there. There you go. Colder out there is lots of <laughs> well, welcome. <clears throat> now, um, over the COVID era, like we've had um, ups and downs uh, here in Manly. What have been some of the ups and downs for you guys out at the Living Desert Indig Indigenous Church? Well, it's um, open one week, closed for another two weeks. We haven't been able to get in, I haven't been able to go into the prison for months, and it's because the they're shortly to start, so you can't do a prison ministry yep. at all, basically. Um, for a long time, we couldn't meet together at all in person, and uh, I was able to go out and visit people. I don't do pastoral visiting, mm. but other than that, there was almost nothing. Yeah. And even in emergencies, there was times when we decided we're going to go out there for a long time. It's been really, really disruptive, really disruptive. Mm. And but thank God for Zoom. Because, um, and I think the people really enjoyed Zoom because it means, well, we don't have to get up and rush around and scream at the kids, you know? <laughs> we could sit here and have dinner while we're having, having Bible studies and fellowship and things like that. It was good. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Um, now this uh, week's obviously a significant week in our country being um, Reconcil Reconciliation Week just gone and it was National Sorry Day last Thursday, I think it was. And there's kind of discussion just with the change of government about um, constitutional recognition for First Nations people and voices to parliament and, and things of that nature. Um, can you tell us kind of how you feel about that, what your confidence is that there'll be follow through and what sort of difference it will make to Indigenous folks? Well, I think one of the first things that the new Prime Minister, um, 
said was mentioned was the statement of the heart from Illinois. Mm -hmm. Illinois statement of the heart, and he's going to uh, do some work on that in Akron and um, address some of a lot of the issues that currently affect our people. So we work in that environment where we see every single day the things that they're talking about that they want to address, the poverty, that's a big problem. And so poverty is a cycle. You grow up in a house where you don't have any food. So you're not going to worry about getting your kids to school, you're going to worry about feeding them. You've got generations in the same house who have never worked. So you're not going to work, what else are you going to do? You're going to get out get drunk and get on the Get on the drug. So we see that sort of stuff every day. We see it for health. I, uh, I'm constantly burying people uh, at funerals, at funerals, and uh, then you've got the other issues, the mental health issues, yep, yep. the suicides. I mean, the suicide rate out there is terrible. I mean, I buried one young girl, 17 years old. And two days later, her cousin, what was 17 years old as well, she committed suicide. And they found her harm out in the street because um, she hung herself on the line and the dogs came and tore her over her leg off. And, and so, we, and other, even grown men, mm. children. And mm. um, so you've got all these mental issues, you've got um, and, all and these you guys, social issues. Even at the church, you guys are involved in, in um, just interacting with folks, trying to take the edge off some of that thing, provide food, all that sort of gear. We're delivering food almost every other day. Mm. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to help out and not stay strong. We're trying to take the edge off yeah. uh, so that we can make people's lives just a little bit better. And we do it in the name of the Lord. Everything mm. we do, we do because we serve Jesus. Yeah. And so the thing we do the most, and the most important thing to us, is preaching the gospel. Because mm. without the preaching the gospel, all we're doing is um, social work. There's enough social work out there already. So yeah. It's a gospel that will bring hope and that will bring change. Because yeah. we've been through that. Mm. Especially to the elders as well, going out to the lonely, you know, how long this Yeah. It's really, it's really sad to see that because mm. uh, they're just stuck in the home. There's nothing else for them to do. So we'll go out there and pray with them and visit them and see how they go. Touch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. 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 So, any, anything, um, just back to the uh, voice from the heart, any, anything that gives recognition to that is going to be an improvement, you think? Anything that's going to um, yeah, give recognition to it, well, um, it's got to be an improvement on what there is today. And um, because things are not real good at it. Um, I mean, the human, things are bad for everyone, not just for the Aboriginal people. So uh, what's happening at the moment is we're seeing uh, Aboriginal people and white people actually befriending each other right. and coming closer to each other. That's what I've noticed over the last few years, mm. because everybody is struggling. So we don't just preach the gospel to Aboriginal people, 
Jesus. That's what's missing. Mm. And, and until that's, uh, until people come to their eyes, their minds of understanding is open, mm. there's always going to be something missing. Mm. So that's what we try to bring as well. Yeah. Well, good on you. We both need to. Yep. Well, mate, we, uh, we're so thankful for you to make, for making the long trip down to visit us. It's very kind of you. And uh, we're going to pray now for you guys, both in your ministry particularly, but also in um, just the wider stuff that's going on with the Statement from the Heart uh, voice um, to the Parliament and those sort of things. So let's pray, brothers and sisters, for our brother and sister. Thank you. Uh, Heavenly Father, God, we just um, thank you for Jack and Lil, and thank you for... Um, bringing them to us today, keeping them safe on the way down. And we thank you for the way that you have ministered to the people of Broken Hill through them over the past few years, through the difficulties of the pandemic where there's just isolation and people were cut off. We give you thanks for things like Zoom where um, fellowship uh, was and Bible study could continue. Uh, we also thank you for the way that um, Jack and Lil and other people connected to their ministry um, touch local folks um, with the good news of the gospel uh, as they just meet with people, uh, share the good news with them, go visiting, provide um, food and supplies that just takes the edge off some of the suffering uh, from folks out there. Uh, we do bring uh, before you uh, the ongoing ministry of the Living Des Des Desert Indigenous Church and ask that you might bless it and you bless the work of Jack's hands and Lil's hands as well. And loving Heavenly Father, uh, this time where reconciliation is uh, front of mind for lots of us, we thank you for your grace and mercy thrown, uh, shown through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, as Neville said, has come to reconcile uh, us to, to you. And uh, we uphold before you uh, Indigenous children who were stolen from their families, um, just bearing in mind that it's National Sorry Day. And we ask that you might bring healing to those families whose children were taking and give direction to each of those folks who was removed from their family and who continues to struggle today. And we just commit many griefs and losses to you. And we pray that you might inject uh, hope and love into those families by your spirit. And there might be a way for the good news of the Lord Jesus to impact them. And as many of our First Nations people battle to find a place in this country with the loss of land and culture and family, we ask that a new government might follow through on its commitment to give our Indigenous people a voice to Parliament so that we all might walk together into a better future. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, please give Jack and Lil another round of applause. And Andrew is going to continue leading in prayer for us. continue in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your gift of righteousness, which is available to us by faith. And we pray that you will teach us to follow our father in faith, Abraham, who trusted your promise and became the father of many nations. You are the God of all nations, and so we pray that you will have mercy on this broken and divided world. We pray that you'll banish the spirit that seeks division and makes for war. As we continue to pray for peace in Ukraine, 
Today we also pray for an end to the violence that is carried out in Myanmar against Christians and others. We pray that you will please protect your people and all who are compelled to flee constant attack. Thank you for aid that is being sent and we pray that it will reach those who are displaced safely. And this morning, Father, we want to give you thanks for the 11 young people from St Matthew's who were confirmed here in the building last Sunday evening. We name each of them, Sky Barham, Daniel and Alana Bott, Anna Curley, Shalei Galati, Kaylee Hurt, James Patterson, Oliver Petty, Charlize Smith, Peter Stein, and Evan Thorpe. Protect them, Lord, and work in them so that they always love you and serve you. And may your Holy Spirit continue to be with them and guide them in truth to remain obedient to your word. Strengthen them in their faith and may we as their brothers and sisters uphold them in our prayers. And Father, we bring before you the spiritual welfare of the pastoral staff of St Matthew's. We thank you for drawing us together. We pray that you will bless our work as we seek to serve you and to serve the fellowship here. We ask that you'll fill us with your truth, clothe us with your holiness so that we may bring glory to you. We pray that you'll protect us from the attacks of the evil one, uh, from stumbling blocks. We pray that you'll guard our hearts and minds each day, keep our eyes fixed on you and our hearts full of hope that we all have in your son, Jesus Christ. And this week for all of us, Lord, we pray that as we go about our daily routines, you'll fill our minds and hearts with your word and help us share your promise of salvation and peace with those who are around us. Amen. We're now going to catch up on some news on the screen from St Matthews. Welcome to church today. It's always a privilege to gather together as God's people. A particular welcome for those joining in for the first time. It's great to have you here. And we'd love to know that you've been with us today so we can make the proper introductions. One of the ways you can do that is by reaching out via our online connection card. You'll find these under the seats in front of you. You can scan the code, let us know you're here, and we'll be in touch with you during the week. Of course, our regulars can use those to get in touch as well. If it is your first time with us today, or you're still kind of feeling new around here, I would love to invite you to join us at The Scoop straight after this service. We run The Scoop a few times each term. It's a chance for those who are new or newish to come, meet a friendly face, hear a bit more about our church, all while enjoying some smooth and creamy Anita Gelato. What's not to love? So if you're new, straight after the service, about 20 minutes, we'll be up in the Level 1 cafe of the Darley Smith building. Love to see you there. As Andrew mentioned last week, our next Christian Care Seminar is happening in two Wednesdays time, the 15th of June, kicking off at 8pm. The topic is tough to love, and our very own Deb Benstead will be running us through the, a practical approach 
to loving those we find hard to love. Here at St Matthews, we want to be a place that embraces the kind of love that Jesus has shown to us, don't we? That means loving deeply and sacrificially, in spite of the, the frailties and the brokenness that we all carry. Loving those who are tough to love. And I'm sure that's an area that we all have space to grow in. So save the date, it'll be a great thing to get along to. Now lastly, on Saturday the 18th of June, so we're talking three weekends time, we are holding a working bee here at church. Now, I actually don't know why we call it a working bee. Anyone? But you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's rolling up your sleeves and getting down here on a Saturday morning to help keep our church looking great. So there'll be things to fix, there'll be stuff to clean, and the more hands that we have, the more we'll be able to get done. Not only is it a chance to help out, but it always offers a great opportunity to meet people from across our congregations. And of course, we always end with a barbecue. So there'll be fixing, there'll be fellowship, and there'll be food. If you're keen to help, look out for William after the service. He'll be the one signing people up with his clickboard. Or you could keep your eye out for the online sign-up form in the weekly email. Just as the uh, singers come forward, we're getting ready to sing our offertory hymn in a moment. I'll mention in relation to the scoop, I said this last week, um, to, to, uh, to prevent people from five years, who've been here for five years, pleading that they're still new, uh, as we launch the scoop at 8 o'clock church, you are all welcome to a scoop of gelato. It'll be served over morning tea out in the, uh, in the function room. Would you stand and we'll sing together.
Good morning. Today's Bible reading is from Romans 4, beginning at verse 1. And that's from page 1129 in your church Bible. Just before I start on Romans 4, the first sentence in today's reading, which is a question, needs a little explanation because it is referring to some verses in the previous chapter, chapter 3. The most important part of Paul's argument at the end of chapter 3 is that Abraham discovered that the only way to pay for our sins so that we can be seen as righteous before God is through faith in him. Romans 4, verse 1. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Is this blessedness only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? We have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after, but before. And he received circumcision as a sign, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So then, he is the father of all who believe but have not been circumcised in order that righteousness might be credited to them. And he is then also the father of the circumcised, who not only are circumcised, but who also follow in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he will be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, Faith means nothing, and the promise is worthless, because the law brings wrath. And where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. 
He is our Father in the sight of God in whom we believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness the words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. I had a look at my calendar this morning. There's only 12 more Sundays left in winter. I have to say, I do look forward every year to spring arriving when winter has come. And uh, I do want to say also a big thank you. I think it's Chris who comes in very early and turns the heaters on. And I'm very thankful for that. Anyway, let's pray. And uh, on this chilling morning, have our hearts warmed by the word of God. Father, we thank you for your wonderful word and as we continue to navigate our way through Paul's letter to the Romans may you help us challenge us and just draw us closer to you through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ we pray in his name amen well, I'm going to start this morning by recounting a story of a pastoral engagement I had three years ago and I was called to visit a lady called Maxine who was dying she struggled with ill health for quite a period and her family knew that she was slowly dying and she was in her last days. And her son was a member here at St Matthew's. And it wasn't just the family that knew she was dying, Maxine knew this as well. She knew there was a God and she sincerely believed there was a God, but she really had no confidence or idea how she could be right with this God. And would she be accepted by him when she died? And she wanted to know how she could be right with God as she approached the final couple of weeks of her life. Well, at the invitation of her son, I went and visited her and had a wonderful time. Um, she was on a bed, mattress on the floor, and I pulled up a seat and sat and we talked, had a cup of tea. And I read the scriptures with her and prayed. And I remember as I left that day, feeling and believing that Maxine had really made a significant spiritual change and breakthrough in her understanding about God that day. And then a week or so later, I think it was just a week later, she'd been taken to hospital. And her son recounted to me a couple of things that happened there. And it's at that point I really knew she was going to be okay with God. And the reason for my confidence was I'd worked out that at that point she had discovered what it meant to have what I want to call saving faith. And a very important question is, 
not just do we believe, but what is it we believe? And do we have what I want to call saving faith? And it's a question for all of us to ask. And it's a very simple question, but do we have a confidence that we're right with God? That God would accept us if we were to be with him and to stand before him when we die? And on what basis do you think God would accept you? Well, saving faith is the key. And I love what Tim Keller said. If at the very least faith is what you trust in, then everyone has faith in something. The question I want to ask is, is it saving faith that you've got? You see, everyone has some sort of faith. Even for people who don't call themselves religious or believe that there's no God, faith is a trust, it's a confidence or it's a belief in something. And some people may not believe in God or the supernatural or even in meaning, but they'll still have a faith. They'll put trust in something. We all have confidence in something, even if the only thing we're confident in is that there's nothing to be confident in. You see, we'll all believe something. The question is, I want to ask us this morning, do we actually have a saving faith when it comes to knowing God? We've got Romans chapter 4, and it's a chapter that's all about faith. And if you've got your Bibles there, I'd love you to open up. Uh, they're the ones that were in front. Um, I didn't get the page number. It was what? Roar, 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 roar. 119? 1129. Thank you, Martin. And as David rightly said, the introductory verse in this chapter um, does beg the question that this is part of a longer argument. And I want to just read to us, first of all, from Romans chapter 3 and verse 22. Because this really is the statement that Paul makes that Romans 4 is giving a defence of. And Scott outlined this so very helpfully last week, uh, the whole section from 21 through to 31, but 22 to 24 is kind of the key nugget here of truth. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came through Jesus Christ. So that's the key truth. As Christians, we are given or credited a righteous status before God. I'm gonna talk about that uh, because it comes up in chapter four. This status is a gracious gift and it's only possible because of Jesus Christ and his death for our sins. And the important thing is we take hold of it through faith. And chapter four in many ways is this long defense of this key truth that we take hold of God's forgiveness and his acceptance, not by works, but through faith, saving faith. And what I wanna do is look firstly at the whole chapter in overview. Uh, it's a dense chapter and there's a lot of stuff in it. And then secondly, I wanna look at the key issue of saving faith and what that means. But firstly, the argument of Romans chapter four. Um, in many ways, uh, this chapter is really an outline of Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. 
But I'm going to just give you four headings. And if you, when you go home and in your Bible studies, here's the four movements that are in this chapter. Firstly, Abraham is credited as righteousness, as righteous because he had faith in God's promises. That's what Paul wants to say to them. When you look at your great father of the faith, he is what I, he exemplifies what I'm talking about. He was credited as righteous because he had faith in God's promises, not because he had good works. You look there at verse 1 through to verse 4. What then shall I say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had nothing to boast about, but not, he, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And what Paul is quoting there is Genesis 15, verse 6. And in many ways, Romans chapter 4 is an exposition of that one verse in the Old Testament, Genesis 15, 6. And then he adds, secondly, well, if you doubt me on Abraham, who is one of the other great figures in the Old Testament? It's King David. And he says, basically, King David says exactly the same thing. Verse 6, David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from the works. And it's interesting, in chapter 3, he had already said the law of the prophets testify this. And what he is now doing is showing how the Old Testament absolutely testifies to this. And he quotes there a psalm that David wrote, Psalm 32, which is all about forgiveness, which David took hold of by faith. David speaks of the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. And then you have this third movement, verses 9 to 17. And what he's adding here is that the righteous standing of Abraham came to him before he got circumcised. And let me just say, as someone who's not Jewish, uh, there's an oddity or a foreignness to what he's talking about here. But there's an important truth that he's expounding to those who are listening. He's saying, when you think about Abraham, the whole sense of ceremonial practice and religious practice came second. What came first was faith. Abraham was um, believing, and it was credited to him as righteousness first. Then he got circumcised. It was a response of faith to believing the promise of God. It didn't come first. And so what he's saying is, the way God accepts people has always been by faith. And I say that because I think sometimes people think um, people in the Old Testament were accepted by God by their observance of the law, but this new thing has come in the New Testament where it's faith in Christ. Whereas what Paul is saying, actually, no, the, the entire Bible speaks of the fact that we are accepted by God through faith in his promises. And it started with Abraham, who is the father of all the nations. Which leads to the fourth point in verses 18 to 25 and the end of the chapter, where Paul basically is saying, Abraham, therefore, is a model of saving faith for everyone. Verse 23, the words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us, i.e. those who know the Lord Jesus, to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. In other words, Abraham is this model of faith. Well, there you go, there's Romans chapter 4. Let's now think about this key verse 
Genesis 15, verse 6. Because that is, in effect, what Paul is explaining here in a great deal of detail. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, there's two key words there, believed and credited. And I'm going to go through and just look at these two words because they're very significant in what is happening in chapter 4. When you read through, ten times the word faith is used and five times the word to believe or believed is used. Now, one is the verb, the other is the noun. They're from the same root word. Fifteen times this concept of faith or belief is being spoken of both in reference to Abraham and to us. So what does it mean to believe or to have biblical faith? I want you to think about the story of Abraham. It's a remarkable story, really. Um, Abraham grew up in what we would call modern-day Iraq, in Tehran. And in Acts 7, we learn that the glory of God was revealed to him. And in this revelation, God spoke to him and gave him three promises. They were great promises that he effectively would become the father of this great nation. There was going to be land, there was going to be offspring, and there was going to be blessing. And so he would be the father of the nations. And in chapter 17, uh, the promise first comes in chapter 12, the offspring of Abraham is described as numerous as the sand in the seashore. And we here at Manly know how numerous sand is. It gets in everything. And when, we, when Abraham was given those promises, we don't know a lot about him. But what we do know is that he understood God. He was confronted by God. The glory of God came. And he simply believed the promises that were given to him. That's all he did. He was living in Ur of the Chaldeans, which is modern-day Iraq. And he basically, after a period, upped and left and journeyed towards the promised land. Now, he went through Haran, which is where his father died, Therese. And then after his father died, they started to head down to the land of Canaan. Abraham was not chosen because he was more righteous than others. We're not told anything about his life, which I think is important. God, in his sovereign will, just chose him and spoke to him and called him. And all Abraham did was believe the promise. I said at the start, all of us have some sort of faith or belief. We all believe in something. We all trust in something. Saving faith is when we trust God's promises to us. Let me give you an illustration. Saving faith. Who's known of the person called Charles Blondin? A few people. Now, I think Ben Adamo, for those who've got good memories, has used this illustration. It is such a good story, it is worth repeating for those who've heard it. Uh, Blondin, in 1859, became the first man in history to walk across the Niagara Falls from the United States into Canada. 
Now, the tightrope was suspended 160 feet on one end and 270 feet on the other end above the raging waters of the falls. Now, if you've been to Niagara Falls, I had the pleasure of going there, uh, you can feel it from hundreds of metres away. Such is the roar of the water going over the cliff and the spray that's generated, you literally feel it as you walk up towards it from quite a few hundred metres away. And Blondin walked across that as the first man. Now, I understand that the rope he walked on was two inches in diameter. He made 18 crossings of the Niagara. After his first one, he became famous. And he made 17 other more daring crossings of Niagara, which drew more and more crowds. He once walked across on stilts. He once rode a bicycle. He once did it blindfolded and stopped in the centre to do tricks. The most bizarre one is he liked cooking omelettes and so he took out in a backpack a little stove and cooked an omelette. He once walked across carrying a person on his back, which you can see there. At one point, he asked a man in the crowd if he thought he could carry a person in a wheelbarrow across the rope. So this is Blondin saying, do you think I, the great Blondin, could get a wheelbarrow and take someone across? And this man in the crowd looked at him and said, yes, you can do it, Blondin. And Blondin said, OK, get in. <laughs> and the man emphatically said, no. <laughs> And the man's response is a great lesson in the difference between saying you believe something and actually believing something. You see, a lot of people will say, yes, I believe in God. But they don't have what I'd call saving faith. You think about the man, he believed Blondin could carry someone across to the other side in a wheelbarrow. But he just did not have the faith to actually go through with it. He said he believed, but he didn't trust him. You see, if he actually trusted that Blondin could do it, he would have put his faith in Blondin. He would have trusted Blondin. And he would have gotten the wheelbarrow and let Blondin take him to the other side. There's a world of difference for saying, saying you believe in God and actually believing his promises to you and putting your trust in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whom all the promises are contained. Real belief is trusting in God's promises to you. Now, when it comes to religion, people may say they believe in God. But what people often are trusting in is actually their good works. It's their moral life. It's their religious achievements that they've ticked off, they've been baptised, they've been confirmed. God does not accept us on the basis of those works. He accepts us on the basis of what Christ has done and that's what we saw last week. 
And saving faith is when we put our trust in what Christ has done and his promise to us that he's forgiven us. Let's have a look at what Romans 4 and 5 says. Chapter 4, verse 4 and 5. Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. And that's what Paul is saying. We stop working and we put our trust in God and his promises to us, which are in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we do that, it says God justifies the ungodly. He declares us innocent and their faith is credited as righteousness. Which leads me to that second word, credit. It's interesting, 15 times the word belief or faith is used, 10 times the word credit is used. You see it here. To the one who works, wages are credited. In other words, if you work hard, you get paid and there is money given to you. It's credited to you as a Uh, Not as a gift, but as an obligation. You've earned it. It's credited to you. However, to the one who does not work but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited to them as righteousness. In other words, something is given to them. It's credited to them because of their faith. I was thinking about an example of having something credited to you and I couldn't think of a better one than our wonderful music director Dave Enduamana and as many of you will know David arrived here in 2013 as a refugee from Burundi seeking asylum and after a long and painful journey of seven years in 2020 we praised God because David was granted a visa by the Australian government and has permanent residency. And I was thinking about what actually was taking place because as a country, we have the right, and it's a perfectly sane right, to accept who we want into the country. Uh, It's the concept of sovereign borders. We can say who comes in and who doesn't come in. And the government credited to David a new status. He went when this piece of paper arrived via email from being a refugee asylum seeker to someone who had permanent residency. And David's now in the process of seeking Australian citizenship. But you see that status changed from being refugee to accepted and having permanent residency. And that's what Paul is saying. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ and the promises of God attached to Christ, our faith is credited as righteousness. And that's what David says. He says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. And when you get to the end of the chapter... Verse 20, 
Let me read to you what it says. Yet he did not waver through unbelief. He's speaking of Abraham and the promise that he would have children and that they would become a great nation as a result. He didn't waver regarding the promise of God, even though he was 100 years old, but was strengthened in his faith. In other words, he continued to believe God and trust in God and trust his promise and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what was promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead. What is saving faith? It is believing God's promises for us and to us and receiving his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're putting our trust in him. And by simply believing, we have this new status. We are credited with righteousness. Listen to what the great reformer John Calvin said. Faith is a firm and certain knowledge of God's benevolence towards us. And I love that phrase. You see, what he's saying is, faith is this knowing that God is for us. He loves us. By faith, we believe that. And founded upon the truth of the freely given promise in Christ. You see, our faith is founded on what Christ has done and what he promises for us as a result. It's the firm and certain knowledge of God's benevolence towards us, founded upon the truth of the freely given promise in Christ. And I love this, it's both revealed to our minds and sealed upon our hearts through the Holy Spirit. We know by faith, as we trust in Christ, that God has credited righteousness to us. We are his, we belong to him. At the start of the message, I told you the story of Maxine. Let me finish the message and give you a few more details. The lady who was dying, but wanted to have assurance that she'd be accepted by God. I remember speaking with her and there was just this honesty. And as you approach death, it really does quicken the mind. And she wanted to know, and her, her words were, am I worthy enough for God? Will God take me in? It's a very interesting phrase, am I worthy enough for God? It's a very normal thing to say. It's a very understandable thing to say. Uh, my answer to Maxine might shock you. I said to her as gently as possible, actually, no, you're not worthy enough, Maxine. Now, I quickly added... Neither am I. Neither is your son who comes to the church I lead. In fact, neither are any of us worthy before God. And that's what we've seen over these last three weeks. All have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. But I said, that's why Jesus has died for us. He is the one who is worthy. 
And he is the one who died for our sins. And he is the one who brings us to God in heaven. And I read to her that day, John 14, verse 6, those famous words. And I said, Maxine, I want you to hear what Jesus is saying to you. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What Jesus is saying to you is take hold of him and his promise that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And that he will bring you to the Father. I said, Maxine, do you believe Jesus? And as she thought about it, I read one of my favourite verses to read about the assurance of salvation. It's John 6.47. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. And I looked at Maxine and I said, do you believe Jesus and trust him when he says to you, he who believes has eternal life? And there was just this smile that came on her face. And she said, is that all I've got to do, just trust in Jesus? I said, that's all you've got to do. Because we can never do it ourselves. A week later, she was taken to hospital. And as they check people in, they ask what religion you are. And her son told me when the nurse asked, so what is your religion? She looked at him or her, and just said, my religion is trusting in Jesus. (laughs) And that's why I knew she really understood. She'd taken hold of the promise. And faith seems so weak and tiny and small, but it's not. Because the one we put our faith in is the one who is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and we trust him with all of our life. And that's what saving faith is. We hear the word of promise from our wonderful God that is found in Christ, and we trust that promise is for me. And we simply believe it. And we take hold of Jesus and we follow him. So let me finish by just asking the simple question. Are you trusting the promises of God through Jesus Christ yourself? Have you got saving faith? Because that's what God calls us to do in this world, to walk with him and to believe in him and to trust in his promises for us until we'll finally meet him in heaven. It's that simple. Let's have a moment to be quiet and pray. And if you're not sure where you stand, I'd encourage you just to call out to God and just say, I trust in you. May you be my way, my truth and my life, Lord Jesus. Come to him, believe in him, and receive him as Lord and Saviour. Let us pray.
Heavenly Father, I do thank you that it's not by works because all of us would fail dismally. We thank you for the wonderful news that Jesus has died for all of our sins and taken the punishment for them. Help us to believe that promise that you are for us, that he who believes has eternal life that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And may we walk with you every day with saving faith, trusting in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand and sing and rejoice in our great God. Let's stand.
Please remain standing just as we prepare to close the formal part of our service and, and uh, head out afterwards to morning tea. Uh, I will mention that during the scoop this morning, uh, after we've all found seats at the tables, Bruce will be saying a few words of welcome, uh, especially to those of, of you who are new and newish amongst us. It'd be great to be present there uh, for their sake. But as we close this morning, I'm going to read some words of tremendous reassurance uh, from the end of the book of Jude. Uh, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all age, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Amen.